You're listening to my dad's podcast. It's the Ron and Don Show, only on ronanddonradio.com. All right, it's uh, the Ron and Don Show, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. And uh, don't forget, we are licensed brokers with Windermere. Ron at windermere.com, Don O'Neill at windermere.com. And the new dog bandanas are out, and we also have... Love the pictures coming in. Ron and Don Nation t-shirts. Uh, go to ronanddon.com. Click on the microphone. All the stuff about the podcast, the newsletter, when the show drops on Mondays. It's all there. Happy it's- Sweet 16 uh, episode. Is it? Is that yeah. right? Oh, okay. We're Sweet 16. There you go. Uh, you, can, you can also reach out to us at our Windermere addresses, and uh, we'll help you as we uh, head into the fall months here. As the Seattle and Tacoma and Fife and Fremont... Real estate markets are really heating up. So I want to take a moment and talk about something. And take a, it, it, it'll take a little bit of time to do this, but I, I have been really lucky to have great men and great mentors in my life. And I've shared my story about my father uh, before, but I think sometimes I don't do enough uh, and I don't spend enough time talking about some of the great men and some of the great mentors. And when I was, when I was younger, when I was in my 20s, I actually used to work as a youth pastor, and I haven't talked about this much in a church. And when I was 25, 26 years old, I ended up leaving, leaving the church. And I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I went back to the University of Washington, and I was driving a forklift at a Costco. And it was kind of interesting because it was an evangelical church. And, and sometimes with evangelical churches, when you're in, you're in, and when you're out, you're out. And when I left the church, because uh, I just felt like I needed to do something new, and I didn't want to be, I, I knew I wanted to be connected with a life of service, but I also wanted to pursue radio. And I knew I didn't want to work in this church for the rest of my life. And there's a lot of people that just didn't talk to me anymore. And one of the people that continued to talk to me was Ron. And another person that continued to talk to me, in fact, he called me, his name was Gary. His name is Gary Verrill. And Gary Verrill uh, played organ at the church. And he played a B3 organ. And Ron, could you kind of explain the way just kind of Gary's pedigree, because uh, he's one of our very good friends. Can you? And, and then I want to talk about Gary a little bit, because I have an important story to share about him. Can you kind of explain the kind of musician and his pedigree a little he's bit? He's a he's a world class session musician, uh, perfect pitch, and could play on any record that you think of. Like if you think of someone like a. Steve Winwood or someone like a like Toto or like a, a band like that, he would could step right in and Michael McDonald, like he's Stevie Wonder, like he could play uh, any of those gigs and has like he's yeah, played Michael on Jackson, Steve Miller, uh, yeah, bands of that nature uh, go in and play records, play sessions, uh, just show him a chart, show him music, and he plays piano, plays B three, which is uh, a sort of a jazz organ and anything you want, you could just name a song. And or play it for him one time, and, and he could play it. Yeah, he could play the piano, play the B three, and then also play the B three bass steps, which are really unusual to be able to do all those things at one time. He is super funky and super awesome. He was also uh, he traveled with Billy Graham and Billy Graham's son for a long time. He was their band leader. He traveled worldwide, and that's how he made a living. And then he also was Paul Allen, the the late Paul Allen. Uh, he was his band leader, and Paul loved to play all over the world. And he would call Gary and say, hey, let's get the band together. And he would get the He's band. He's a great together. musical director. Yeah, and they would jam, and they would jam with you 2 and all kinds of stuff. So anyway, not too long ago, and Gary would be a little, he'd be a little embarrassed by this, but he'll just have to deal with it. Gary found out that he has terminal cancer. 
and that uh, he is on the clock, basically. But he's been on the clock for quite some time, and he just he's like my friend Jim Brown. He just continues to live and live and live and live. He continues to play music. Our friend Jim Brown, uh, the firefighter from down Olympia, is going to be on with us in a couple weeks. He was supposed to die in four months, and here he is four years later. I was at a barbecue, a backyard barbecue with him last week, and he just continues to live and thrive. thrive. The same thing with Gary. Gary called me a couple weeks ago, and he said, hey, I was wondering if you could come out to my house in Snohomish. I have something to give to you. And when Gary reached out to me when I was 20, 25, 26 years old, Gary's not only a great musician, but he's also a great athlete. He was a Ram rider. He was one of the originals, the Race Across America riders. A lot of guys that race across America now on bicycles, they do it. Uh, there's much better, much nicer technology. Also, they usually do it in teams, teams of four guys. And you should explain. When, Eight guys, when Gary did it, they would 12 guys. ride a bicycle. Uh, the race was this. We're going to start at the ocean on Santa Monica Pier. First guy that makes it to the Atlantic wins. Yeah. And uh, th- that was the rules. And so some of these riders would go eight days uh, nine days, I think eight days was broken eventually and got under seven day in the seven days yeah. on a bicycle yeah. from uh, Los Angeles, California, Santa Monica to like Atlanta mm. or something or New York City or, or whatever, a 3,000-mile bike ride uh, in a matter of days. Yeah. So Gary's sponsored by uh, Davidson. If you don't know who Davidson is, they're one of the last great hand-built steel bikes here in Seattle. And uh, Bill Davidson, the Davidson brothers, they built 16 bikes for him. And he would train. He was a ram rider. And he would invite – one time he invited Ron and I to come ride bikes. And we're like, dude, we don't even have bikes. And he was one of the only ones that reached out to me uh, after I left the church. And I felt really alone at the time. I didn't have connections. I didn't have a lot of friends. I wasn't from here. And Gary was a great friend. And he would tell me stuff like, you know what? You're part of my team. And I let no man fall. And I let no man behind. And, in fact, he said, uh, on your birthday, we're going to go up to Orcas Island. We're going to ride bikes. And he used to play piano uh, on Orcas Island. And then he would train going up and down Mount Constitution. So if you remember this, he said, you, Ron, and I, we're going to go up there. We're going to take my orange van. We're going to get on these Davidson bikes. We're going to ride into Mount Constitution. We did it the first year. Gary got there first. Ron got there second. I got there third. I was walking my bike. I was embarrassed by that. We went a second year. I was able to beat Ron, but I wasn't able to beat Gary. Then we went a third year, and I'd gone up there and trained and trained and trained. Didn't tell Ron and Gary I'd been training. And Ron looked at me, he goes, okay, I know what you've been doing. I'm not going to ride with you guys. I know what you're up to with Gary. So we were riding to the top of Mount Constitution. We got halfway there. It's usually the place where I get off my bike and walk it. I'd gone up there like 17 times and train. And Gary looked at me and he said, okay, it's on. And we rode to the top of Mount Constitution. He was so nice. He let me win. He let me, he let me win. We made it to the picnic table. We shared a lunch together. And we did this ride for five, six, seven years until we ended up moving away. Uh, and we did a radio job. Gary called me a couple weeks ago, and he said, hey, I have something to give you. I want to give you something. And so I went out to see him in Snohomish County and his beautiful wife, Sydney. And he said, I want to give you the purple. And I said, you still have the purple? I'm 52 years old now. This would, this would be 25 years old. I was 25 years old when I got introduced to the purple. The purple was one of his original Davidson bikes that he rode across America on. And he was kind enough to let me ride that bike and try to beat him to the top of Mount Constitution. He still has that bike. He still has his number, his Ram number on it, number 55. And it still says Gary Verrill on the side of that bike. And he looked at me and he said, it's my last Davidson bike. Mm. And he said, I want you 
to have my bike. And, uh, oh. And I didn't want to take his bike. Because we both know what that meant when he gave me his bike. But I took it. I took the purple. I took the 55. I took that bike. It sits in my living room. My son asked me about the 55 the other day and I was able to tell him about Gary. Gary has his uh, log cabin out in Snohomish County and because he has been a minister and a musician his whole life, he doesn't have a lot of money. And what he desires to do is to fix his home up and to make it a rental and provide some kind of income for his wife uh, before he passes. And I still think he's going to be around a long time. So anyway, I said, Gary, there's a lot of work that needs to be done around here. And I said, let me come out and just see if I can bring a couple people and and if we can spruce this place up and get it ready for like an Airbnb or VRBO rental. And I said, we're going to come out. We're going to help. I picked up the phone. I called one of the old kids from my youth group who I haven't talked to in a long time. His name is John Burrow. You remember John? I do remember John. Yeah. John's in our youth group. He's 13, 14 years old. He's now 40 years old and has children, and he's a big deal in the Woodenville Fire Department. So I called John, and I said, John, are there any smoke eaters over there? That would be, and he, he remembers Gary from playing in the church. He said, are there any uh, firefighters over there that would be willing to come and, uh, and help us uh, work on Gary's place? And so we had this conversation last night. I just got, I just got a, a text message from Signe, uh, Gary's wife, a moment ago. And, uh, and this is what she said. She said, uh, Dear Don, uh, John's two men from the Windville Fire Department, Gunner and Robert, they showed up today. And they were so wonderful. And they came out and they spread bark. And they built a sand pit. They started to fix the deck. They did a bunch of odd jobs. We ordered pizza and beer, but they had to leave by 4.30. But they promised to uh, return tomorrow with more firefighters from East Side and the Woodenville Fire Department. And then more of them have promised to return along with John Burrow and his family. And they're all going to return on Saturday. They loved us. They loved the house. They thought this might be a huge success. Onward and upward. Uh, thanks, Don. And that's from Signe and Gary right there. So, I just want to thank John Burrow. Because I took this thing on and then I didn't know how I was going to do it because that's what I always do. I take things on and then I'm not sure how they're going to do it. And then I have other people do stuff. And then I take credit for it. So, thanks to John in the Woodenville Fire Department and the Eastside Fire Department for going out today, tomorrow, and the day after that for being a part of something bigger than yourself and for always 
rushing toward people when they need help, people that you don't even know. That's what I love about first responders. They always rush towards people, even on their days off. So thanks to Gunner and Robert. Gunner, I like your name a lot. We're taking your day off and making a huge difference in number 55's life. Coming up around Christmas, I called one of the old pastors over there today at that church that I left when I was 25 years old. And he said, you know what we should do? Let's do a concert on December 15th or 16th. You and Ron don't sing. Yeah. (laughs) And you know what he said? He said, why don't you come back and speak? He said, why don't you come back and speak at the church that you left when you were 25 and you're now 52? And, uh, And I said, I would love to do that. So I'm going to bring the purple, number 55, and Gary's going to be there. And Ron, you're going to come because we talked about this today. And we're going to return. And if lightning doesn't strike us dead, right, it should be a really good Let me night. do a slideshow for you. Yeah. And we're going to raise a lot of money for Gary and for Signey. Uh, and if you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself, uh, there is a page that we will put up at ronanddon.com for everyone because there is a GoFundMe page if you'd like. If you know Gary and Signe and you want to support them like a lot of people want to do and have. So. And shout out to Dave Rayner for uh, hooking us up again yeah. too. So anyway, number 55, thank you for the purple. I think you're going to be around a long, long time. And I can't wait to introduce you to my friend Jim Brown from the Olympic Fire Department, the Olympia Fire Department, who has stage 4 cancer also. And he just... You know what he's doing right now? He's in a mountain bike competition today. He's out riding mountain bikes. It's the Ron and Don Show. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Thanks to all the great men in my life. Help cops help kids. Go to ronanddon.com right now and buy a t-shirt. And $5 from every t-shirt sale will help kids like me. All right, it's the Ron and Don Show, only on the Ron and Don uh, Radio Network. And don't forget, uh, the dog bandanas are out. Uh, pick those up for 15 bucks. Take a picture, Ron and Don Nation dog oh, I bandana. I love the pictures. We'd love to put those up at ronanddon.com. Uh, we also we love big you. big dog and small dog. Be a part of the newsletter in the Ron and Don podcast. that drops every single Monday. Thanks to 85,000 people that are listening to it. We really appreciate it and appreciate you. And if you want to get signed up for the newsletter, too, just go to ronanddon.com and you can find out everything about Ron and Don. And uh, buy that T-shirt, too. Cops Helping Kids. You got the T-shirt, the bandana. We appreciate all your support and all your help. And so does the local police department, all the agencies out there. So thanks to all the first responders. I'm really curious to get your take on this because I don't. I actually have no idea. I think how you're going to think about it, and, and that's interesting to you me. You think how I'm going to think about it? I don't. And a lot of things I know kind of what your general take is. Oh, you do? I, I don't know. The ballpark. Oh, yeah. I really don't know how, how you're going to think about this. Hmm. So there's been this thing in, in tech for the last uh, X number of years. I don't know how long it's been going on, at least a decade or so, where the, the, some people, like an Elon Musk, will say technology is moving so quickly that a lot of jobs are going to be obsolete. And, and if we can make technology good enough your work week is going to be whittled down to three hours a day, a couple hours a day. You know, you could have a 10 hour work week because technology will be able to do all of these tasks for you. Uh, and so there's been quite a few famous people. Uh, John Maynard Keys was a, another one that, that said this sort of thing, that the way technology is moving, we're going to work less, less and less. And the burden's going to be like, what are we going to do with all this free time? 
But what they're finding is these predictions do not come to pass. And especially in America, uh, there's a new uh, study done by civicscience.com where they talk about the Americans just continue to work and work and work and work. And so I won't go through all the statistics. There's a lot of statistics in there, but they say over 50%. So 57% of people surveyed said they'll easily put in an extra hour to two hours a day at their job. And so when you add that up, you're providing an extra over six days, six and a half days of work to your boss. So if you're a, a salaried employee, if you just work an hour and a half to two hours a day extra, maybe it's in the morning, you're checking emails at night, whatever you're doing, work-related task, you're adding an extra work week unpaid uh, to your boss. And I like people that I know that work at Amazon or that work at T-Mobile or that work at Google or Facebook – it's not uncommon to work an extra half a work day a day. So you could, it, a 12 hour day, I, I knew a guy that uh, was an Amazon executive. He would get up at, at 11.30. There's this culture where you want your boss to see the email timestamp at 11.30 at night or at 3.30 in the morning or whatever. That, that gave you some like street cred uh, in the office. Like, oh man. Look at this Don. He's sending me an email at 3 a.m. That's pretty awesome. And so you would get a rush out of that. And so there's this culture in a lot of businesses where you just continue to work. And so I'm curious to you because now that we have transitioned and we're doing real estate full time, I have a hard time turning it off. And then I get to the point where I just sort of crash and kind of like this past weekend, I took almost a whole day and just sort of did nothing. It was like I just needed a day where I'm like, I'm going to watch some Netflix I watched the new Dave Chappelle on Netflix. I went down to the water and walked around and just aimlessly sort no. of looked at the water. I think it's different though because we're we're I'm 52. You're not quite 50 yet, and in essence, we're relaunching our career. So we've launched a podcast, which means you've launched a podcast. So great job! And I just come and I talk every once in a while. But this is really on your shoulders, and you've done a great job with that. And that in itself is a job. On top of that, we are not only learning about real estate, because like we went to a class today, not only are we learning about real estate, but at the same time, we're selling, we're buying, we are in real estate. On top of that, for me, I'm involved with a lot of investment properties, personal investment properties, and I mean, it's hands-on. It's crowbars out. It is hacksaws up. It is, you, 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 you've come out and you've volunteered and you've helped before, and thanks for that. And it is literally taking some of these homes and houses and tearing those down. They don't call it sweat equity for nothing. Yeah, there's a lot of sweat, and, and it's tearing tearing those down the studs. And so I do, do you view that I, as work? Hang, hang on, when though. you're doing those tasks, hang on though. On, and, and then on top of that, we actually do some broadcasting in some other markets, just not here, but we do some broadcasting in some other places. On top of that, on top of that, I'm a fitness instructor, so I'm still doing a lot of things fitness wise. And then on top of that, I'm a manny now, so I'm taking care of my son and doing some stuff with some other kids. And then on top of that, I have an Airbnb business. So I have all these things that are going at once. And to your point, to your point, it was gobbling up all my time in the day. And I had a great real estate agent pull me aside and tell me a couple different things. They said, number one, uh, this job will take all the time that you'll give it. It, it, will, it will take all of it. So you're going to have to protect. Number two, in the same way that you might schedule a coffee with a mortgage broker, or you might schedule some time to go out on a Saturday afternoon for an open house or show, show someone some property, schedule some time for yourself. 
And you don't need to tell people that you're going to see a movie in the middle of the day. Or like I went, as I told you, I went to get a vampire facial the other day. Or that you're going to go, for me, it's about like right before I came here to broadcast, I went on a trail run. And somebody called me, one of my investor friends, and they're like, hey, what are you doing? I didn't say I'm off on a trail run. Because when you're doing that, it seems like you aren't working. And now you have to explain to them, hey, in the middle of the day, I'm going on a trail run. Instead, I said, you know what? I have an appointment. And then after that, I will get back to you. And those appointments are for myself. And those appointments are time for me and people I love and care about. Those appointments, if I want to go on a date or I want to connect with my son, I'm trying to do a better job of making sure that I'm making those appointments. And you probably need to do the same thing, Ron. Oh, absolutely. Because you are 24-7 balls-to-the-walls real estate right now, and and you need to take some moments for... And they call it self-care, and I goof on self-care sometimes because it's become a billion-dollar industry. Uh, but but there, well, there... last time I tried that, I ended up getting uh, the hot candy massage <laughs> down the road. Yeah, you ended up getting a hot candy massage. But this, the self-care stuff is important. I know that you like to travel. I think finding that balance in there is... It, but I have to say, too, when I send, like when somebody texts me late at night and I'm sleeping and they piss me off, I love when I'm up at 4.13 in the morning and I can text them back or I can email them back. And sometimes that's just vengeance. That's all So, so is, is work-life balance even a thing? I think it has to be if you, if you schedule the things that we just talked about. You love to travel. So I'm going to know. I'm going to know that you are in a very good place when you're back on an airplane and you're, you're going to China. I know that you're going to be in a, in a, in a cause, cause right now you're, you're ramping up all these businesses, right? And it takes a lot of energy and you can't go to Australia right now. You just, you just can't. But when you get a year, 18 months down the road on this journey, on this real estate journey, these other things that you're doing and you're doing a great job at it, at it, by the way, then when I see you getting on a plane, doing those things, and then, you know, when I get on this plane, I'm going to Australia. If something happens, I can call my friend Don and he'll take care of me. He has my back, has my six, whatever you want to say. Uh, yeah, I think the thing that I like, though, about a lot of the tech workers is they will work for two, three years, and then they quit. And then they'll go do something else for six, seven, eight months, and they will travel, and then they'll go. That's, somebody asked me the other day, they said, why don't you, you can, you can hire, you can afford a nanny for your nine-year-old. They said, why aren't you doing that for G-Force? And I said, you know what? Because for the last nine years, when it was time to pick him up from school, when it was time to coach him in a sport, when the bell rang at 225, I never got to pick him up because at 307, I had to jump behind a microphone and I was doing prep work all day to stand behind that microphone. And then at seven o'clock at night, by the time I got home 32 minutes later, he had to eat, he had to be in bed, we had to make lunch, and then boom, I had to pick, take him to school in the morning. And literally, I get to spend about 42 minutes with him a day. Now I get to pick him up. And he gets to look at me and go, Daddy, what the hell are you doing here? You're not picking me up again, are you? Anyway. I'm a manny. What can I say? It's the Ron and Don Show. The Ron and Don Radio Network. If you need a manny, reach out. I'm your guy. Ron and Don. 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 Ron and Don Radio Network, man. Okay, how much do I have to pay you for this? <laughs> One dollar. <laughs> mail. They get lots of mail. Ron and Don's got mail. First class, sixth class, overnight. Mail. Roll out of mail. Ron and Don's got 
All right, don't forget, you can uh, always reach out to us, Ron and Don. We're licensed realtors. We appreciate all your real estate questions, too. It's really great. In fact, I think we have one uh, in the mailbag. Today, tonight, what do we uh, what do we have? Ron at Windermere.com. Don O'Neill at Windermere.com. Everything at ronanddon.com. In the fall, selling, buying season is upon us, so let's get after it. Yeah, right? these come through the Anchor FM app. So if you listen to the app on Anchor FM, you can leave us a voicemail uh, through that. All right. It's not my mother again, is it? Hey, Ron and Don oh, Radio. Boy. This is one of a kind podcaster. Oh, thanks to you guys, I have I'm on Anchor as well. <laughs> so I'm glad to see you guys are back. Keep up the good work. If you get a chance, check out One of a Kind Podcaster. Thank you. <laughs> I will. Have you had people? What is, can you explain what that is, everybody? That's, so yeah, that's, Anchor, that's, that's actually really cool. Yeah. That you did so that. Uh, our platform is Anchor.fm. Yeah. It's a free uh, service where you can anyone can host a podcast. But we're still on Google or on Apple. Yeah, it gets on, distributed you, to the other, other channels. Find it's, us it's anywhere, but, but but you can you can host. He, your he brings own up podcast. a good point. I've had multiple people now talk of ask me about doing a podcast. Okay. And so I, I think that it's possible that anybody can do one. Sure. And if you have a, a passion uh, and a niche, do you say niche or niche? Niche community right. that, that you are I really- I say niche. Niche. Yeah, That's because you you're, if you you're franche. A, if you have a niche. I, I think that it's possible. It's, it's, I think it's difficult to do well, mm. uh, but it is possible. Like there's so many podcasts now. It's sort of the golden age of podcasting. And when you find one you really like, uh, it's easy to get into. But it, it, it's fun for people to try. Do you, do you stay with the podcast and then move on to uh, – I, I find that I do that. I'll stick with the podcast. I'll listen five, six, seven episodes, and then I'm like, okay, I've had enough of Oprah's Super Soul Conversations, and then I'll go on to someone like Rich yeah. Roll. And, and Oprah is actually really helpful. Those podcasts are really helpful. And then I moved on, and I listened to Rich Roll a lot, who is an ultra marathoner, and he wrote a book, and he's really into diets. And so I kind of listened to him for a while, and it was, I, I listened to him for almost a year. And it was re- he's a person in recovery, just some other stuff that I really love. So I found that to be really helpful, but then boom, then I've moved on to some other podcasts that I really enjoy and like, and I think that's probably what a lot of people do. You yeah, listen, you, you listen find to the one, ones that you like five, six, seven, yeah. ten episodes, or you go back listen to old episodes, and then and and then you start adding new podcasts. Or you, there's only so many hours in the day, so maybe 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 you switch over. Right? Now this next uh, voicemail comes from Christy. Oh, all right. wait, I, real quick. One of a kind podcast. What is that about? Did you listen that, to? It? No, I haven't. We just got the voicemail. It's it, so it's just him. Yeah, I kind of want to listen to it. So now. we'll go to Anchor FM and just look it up. <laughs> One of a kind podcast. All right, Congratulations! Christy. All right, we're glad we inspired you. Hi, Ron and Don. So glad you're back. Uh, been listening to you for a long time now. Awesome. Uh, moved to the Pacific Northwest in 2007, cool. and definitely missed your show when you disappeared off the airwaves. Mm. Uh, thrilled to find you uh, again doing the podcast. I hope it keeps going. Great guns for you as well as the real estate venture. And hopefully we'll get more episodes as well. Just love to hear you guys banter and uh, definitely a great part of the week. I had a quick question, a real estate question for you. Bought a house in Burien in 2013 and I see various estimates on Zillow and Redfin. And Ron, you had mentioned that there's more to it than just a, a figure on a website. So I was just curious how I go about figuring out the true value of my home in the current market, and then also how I determine how much equity I have in it based on that valuation. Yeah. 
That's an awesome question. Um, would love oh, a, a response. Thanks so much, yeah. and talk to you soon. Sorry, 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 sorry to jump in there. Thank you so much for listening. We missed you too, and 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 we'd love to add uh, more episodes here too. That that I, that's interesting. I I looked at a Redfin uh, estimate about a house I built the other day, and the red the, the Redfin estimate was over nine hundred thousand dollars off. And it's it's been off for because this house has been built for about three years now. It's been off for the last three years. It's still giving the value of the old house of maybe what the old house would have been worth and not the new house. Somewhere the algorithm hasn't caught up three years later and it doesn't recognize. Same thing on Zillow. It even shows an old picture of the old house, not the new house. And again, it's been built for three years What's going on there? It's a it, it's an algorithm problem, right? Well, I, here's the thing. I, I think in the grand scheme of things, having more information is good. Uh, it breaks down when you trust it implicitly, and, and there is some uh, some. I get it where you're like, oh, I read it on this website that I've heard of. It must be true, and mm-hmm. so you get this a bias, uh, an implicit bias, because you think that that website is reputable, and they are reputable, but they're relying on. They can only rely on the stuff that they have. Uh, there's not a human being coming by and looking at your house. And so there's actually, if people are into this, if you're thinking about buying or selling a house, it buried in Zillow. If you go all the way down to the bottom and there's a link, you can go in. It, it has to publish its error rate on your zip code. So you can put the zip code in of where you're looking and get an error rate. Now, sometimes they're relatively close. If there's a lot of action in that that zip code and a lot of uh, purchases and sales, they can get, get relatively close on their valuations. If there's not a lot or it's maybe all over the map a little bit, maybe like in the zip code I live in, there can be million-dollar houses and there can be $129,000 condos in the same zip code. So it can be thrown off a little bit. But you watch their, their valuations – and some some zip codes are off plus or minus. It'll say plus or minus ten percent, so a twenty percent swing on a value. So I mean, you talk about nine hundred thousand dollars is really outside the norm. But even twenty percent on the and at the average home price on the east side is in the nine hundreds. Twenty percent plus or minus there is a big number. Uh, the average home price in Seattle is in the seven hundreds. Twenty percent plus or minus there is is a big number. And so even in Pierce County, where it's been rising into the three hundred high high three hundreds, low four hundreds, that's a big number. So what we do and when and when she's we were talking about with uh, what Christy brought up is. We have some tools at our office where you actually go in and you hand select things that you know are of similar uh, parameters as your house. And then you can actually see what they are, see the photographs, maybe even go by and look at it, have an office mate that may have sold that house. And so you can dial it in a lot more accurately. And then in terms of, of then the equity, that's relatively simple math. And you take you know what you owe on the house. Uh, and then we can come up with a ballpark of what the fees would be if you sold your house, and then you're going to get a proceed number. We we can do that for you if you want, and even give you a custom. I, I enjoy doing a custom market analysis for people, and so you can uh, just email me, Ron, at, at windermere.com, and, and I can plug your house in. Yeah, there's a net proceeds calculator, and you can plug in all the numbers and see what the taxes are, what the fees are going to be, and what you're going to walk away with. And to Ron's point, a great realtor, a great realtor, Stands in a lot of homes in those neighborhoods. Maybe they've sold that home. Maybe they we we have been out with realtors before that have sold the same house second or third time. We were driving around with a, a realtor today. He's been in the business 15 years. 
and the other person in the car has been in the business 30 years, and they're out every single day looking at homes. We went with them today, and we stood in Kurt Cobain's old home, and that's not the first time or the second time that they stood in that home. So a lot of these great realtors that are full-service realtors, they're not full-service algorithms. They stood in these homes. They know the value. And that's the other thing. A lot of people people look at the tax assessment, and you have to remember, when you get that tax assessment from the county, they haven't been in most of these homes, so they don't know a lot of the upgrades that have been done in a lot of these houses. And that's why that particular number is usually so low and so off, and people don't fight it because the number's low, you pay less tax. When the number's high, you pay more tax. So typically on the tax assessment, you don't, you see, want that to be you don't see people pushing back. Yeah. Thanks for your questions. Ron at Windermere.com. Don O'Neill at Windermere.com. We'd love to get in the car with you and drive around and go look at some real estate. And who knows? Maybe we'll buy Kurt Cobain's old house today. It's for sale. It's the Ron and Don Show only on the Ron and Don Radio Listening to the Ron and Don Show on the Ron and Don Radio Network, RonandDon.com. All right, it's the uh, Ron and Don Show. We're heading through the fall uh, selling, buying season. We'd love to be a part of your biggest transaction. If you just want to talk real estate, we'd love to have questions or answer questions about real estate. And maybe you're just wondering what your net proceeds would be. You have a piece of real estate, you want to sell it, and you're wondering, at the end of the day, how much money would be in my pocket? There's a net proceeds calculator at Windermere we can help you with. Reach out to Ron. Ron at Windermere.com. Don O'Neill at Windermere.com. Don O'Neill with two L's, not one L. Two L's. Now, who are these fools with one L? I don't know. You know, I feel bad for people because there's a capital O. There's an apostrophe that everybody drops. Then there's a capital N. On top of that, you get an E, you get an I, and then I expect a double L. But I can't expect people to do all those things. It just it doesn't happen anymore. It's unrealistic. So if you do one of those things. Give me a capital O. Give me a capital N. Maybe the apostrophe between the two. The possibility of having two email. L's I'm thrilled with, but it has never happened my whole life. It just... It, 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 you can't even do the apostrophe in email. What's that? It'll screw up the email. I have women in my life that I have fallen in love with before, and they thought they were going to marry me, and they'll say, hey, I, I'm so excited. I'm going to be... Pick a name. I'm going to be Miss Tiffany O'Neill, and then they spell it O apostrophe N-A-I-P-S or something like that. I'm like, come on, man. If you're going to be my wife... If you can at least spell the name correctly. It's just it, it never happens, so I've given up on it. Ron. I've right, just so given. I, I got to get your take. There's a, the the latest trend because I read the uh, Seattle Times. Their uh, latest and greatest on there. The, they do a thing on opening restaurants, closing restaurants, that sort of thing. A lot of, lot, I, I, There's a lot you, of stuff opening and closing. Are you amazed at all the great restaurants? Oh, it's amazing that that close here all. The time. So there is a um, uh, down in the road here in White Center. There is a bar that has a yappy hour. And there's a new bar coming out, a new place in the Seattle Times. Also has a yappy hour. What's a yappy hour? So yappy hour is a happy hour with your dogs. Yappy hour. Yappy hour, okay. And so the one here in White Center. Wouldn't that be a, like a rough, rough hour? Mm-hmm. I don't understand a yappy hour. Because they yap. Dogs yap. They really don't, though. No, some of them do. My dog doesn't yap. I'm just saying, that's what they call it. I didn't name it. That's what they call it. The my yappy hours right there. In the... Certainly doesn't. It, it, my dog poops at so now here's inopportune the thing. times. It's usually when I don't have poop back. You and I have been to a yappy hour and before. Then I reach, and I have to say this real quick. I reached over the other day and I did a fake poop pickup. And you left it? I pretended like I had a bag. I was out in the middle of the field at Discovery Park. My dog is pooping. People are watching. I'm like, 
I got. I don't have a poop a good, bag. You always got to have I'm a poop four bag. four miles away from the car. I have no way to pick up this poop. I'm like, you know, I'm going to fake it. I'm going to go over there, act like I'm picking up the poop. So, Because they're far away. I acted like I picked up the poop, like I put it in a bag, like I put it in my pocket, and then I ran off. And then I told myself later on, I will go back and pick up the poop. You never did. And then I also told myself, when I see somebody else's poop, I will pick that up as kind of a... Penance? Uh, yeah, and I never do. I've you never, never do done either, no. either one. So, sorry to interrupt the story. Did you Have you ever done that when you don't have the bag? Uh, I always had the bag. Always? Always had a bag. You know what? You would always have a bag. I, I'm a guy I don't, that has I, the bag. Most of the time, I don't have a bag. I understand But that. my intention is to have a bag. So, real quick, I just need your verdict on inside yappy hours. We've been to the outside yappy hour where yappy hour is on the deck. But the inside, yeah, it freaked me out a little bit because one woman always brings her Great Dane. Uh, and I like Great Danes. I think they're super cool dogs. Well, what are you but doing? Then when the what, other why, dogs, are, why are you at a yappy hour? Because I didn't know it was yappy hour. Okay. It's just regular happy hour to me. And I walk in <laughs> and there's a Great Dane that's like six feet tall. Well, when you there. walk in though and there's 61 dogs, don't you don't you begin to think, hey, there's something going Maybe on here that I'm, that I'm not a part of? I mean, I like dogs. Yeah. We got the dog bandanas out for Ron and Don Nation. Yeah, so, I mean, we love dogs. Yeah. I did. I'm trying to figure out the yappy. Hour. I love when businesses announce that. Like what I don't like is there's a lot of a lot of workplaces that say, yeah, you can bring your dog anytime you want, and I don't like that because I don't want to interact with your dog anytime that your dog wants to People interact at work with me. Love your dog. What's that? When you bring Charlie to work, they love it. Yeah, but I don't bring him all the time. If I, I brought him all the time, then, then they wouldn't love it. Like for instance, Charlie is out in the car right now in his kennel, and I didn't bring him in here because last time he did, we had kind of an accident, and then we didn't that, have an accident. We had the an an yappy hour that. inside my house. <laughs> my so I mean, been the same. see, I'm giving you a break from Charlie. Thank I, you. I was thinking about you, and you appreciate that, right? Of course. Yeah, you don't want me to bring Charlie. No, I, I like Charlie. Sometimes I bring my nine-year-old and my dog in here, like time after time after time. That is a yappy hour. Have to remember, you know, it may be cool with me, but it's not cool with you. And I think it's good when businesses, or you see the Mariners do this too, right? They have a night. What is it? Bark at the park. You bring your dog. Sure. I think that's good when when you prepare people and you say we're doing this. But when it's a consistent thing, if you could bring your dog to a Mariner game, and it, you know, maybe that'd be a good idea because maybe the dogs plenty actually, of seats available, <laughs> and maybe they play the big game better than the Mariners do. So, are the Mariners still playing? I think they're still playing. Are they still here in Seattle? Seahawks are still starting up all about that clowning he ain't clowning around inside with the seattle seahawks uh by the time you hear this though he's probably had a high ankle sprain. it's the ron and don show only on the ron and don radio network and don't forget keep your head up and your shoulders back everything's at ron and ron at windermere.com don o'neill at windermere.com all you have to do is click on that microphone everything radio podcast drops on monday boom I just dropped it like it was hot. I just dropped it like it was Dawn and Dawn. <laughs> okay. You good? Yeah. Okay, let's get going.